Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of obscure speech and difficult language, those whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel is not willing to listen to you, because they are not willing to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. But I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. And he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your countrymen in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Here ends the reading. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us. We pray that we might hear it. We pray that you would help us to understand it. We ask that you would train us, rebuke us, lead us, encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name and keep me from error, I ask. Amen. Uh, Ezekiel is a strange thing to open with, seeing this is my uh, morning. Sorry, I've said that, haven't I? This is my first sermon officially as uh, Russell's here. And uh, Russell, you're coming down from Coonda Barabran every, every Sunday from now on. What a wonderful thing. I think the Lord has told me. Um, Ezekiel is a strange thing to open up with, as your, but it's. I've been here a number of times, so I suppose I could do anything I like. I don't know. Ezekiel, uh, the times that Ezekiel lived in are rather a little bit like what is happening in the Ukraine right now. As you know, Ukraine is a mess, and uh, someone, a very powerful neighbour, has decided to ignore that the Ukraine exists and to take them. That is the battle that's going on right now. It's a battle that uh, has outraged the world. And something similar happened to the southern kingdom, Judah, of uh, Israel, the southern kingdom, when the king Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon decided to invade it. He'd had, an, he'd had enough of them and he took them. 
about 597, he rumbled in and captured Jerusalem. And he took many of the leading citizens off to Jerusalem. And among them was a man called Ezekiel. He was a priest. If you look in chapter 1, verse 3, you see that his father's name is the son of Buzi, which I actually, B-U-Z-I, I think I've pronounced it correctly, but uh, someone might correct me. They're uh, taken off and there they are put somewhere near the ancient city of Nippur, which is in current-day Iraq. I think it's still there. I'm never sure about Iraq nowadays. It was there that Ezekiel received his call to become a prophet, we think around 593 BC. I'm always fascinated by who comes up with that stuff. And then he prophesies intermittently for about 22 years, so somewhere around 571. So the first thing you notice about the book of Ezekiel is that it is a great time of distress. Israel has been smashed. That's a technical theological term. You might not understand that one. Israel has lost her kingdom. There is, it's a great existential and theological problem. Where is God? Where are the promises of God? What about he gave us to even Abraham, reaffirmed in Moses, extended and glorious way in David, but here we are, smashed taken, deported to some sort of filthy pagan bunch of hoodlums. Where is he? What is God doing? Is he even here? Ezekiel is a man who's commissioned to tell them that this terrible time hasn't finished. Now, just want you to think about that for a second. How would you feel? Mal, I want you to go and tell everyone in the, in, the, in the church a terrible message and it's going to keep being terrible. Thank you for doing that. Off you go. Oh, by the way, they don't actually will listen to you, nor will they care you've come. But so have a, have a good time. Enjoy yourself. If someone had said to me, I want you to come to Woodford to be a home missionary, but when you get here, not that I would blame you, no one will listen to you, no one will like you, and no one will do anything you say. If they'd have said that to me, I'd be thinking, well, okay, should I come? Ezekiel is told by God that's his mission, which is our second thing. Ezekiel's mission is one that I don't think anyone would really relish. Him and Jer he and Jeremiah are very similar in some ways, but their methods are different. Uh, Ezekiel 3, son of man, go to the, the house of Israel and speak my words to them. You're not being sent to a people of obscure speech and a difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of obscure speech and difficult language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. But I will make you, he says to Ezekiel, 
as unyielding and as hardened as they are. I'll make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. So there it is. Ezekiel is meant to go to someone who doesn't want to hear him, doesn't want to hear what God has to say, and they're hard. And God says, I'm going to make you hard. A lot of people think I'm pretty thick, thick as two bricks. Ezekiel is told that he will be made harder than flint. Ezekiel is in for a hard time. This is a tough message. And God is making him a tough guy. I will make you as unyielding and as hardened as they are. Ezekiel is a hard case. He needs to be. He's a tough guy with a tough message, but that is his mission. He has to speak a bitter message, a message that no one wants to hear. But he does this by word, but also, as you're probably aware, by symbolic act and deed. And sometimes he does that by silence, which is an interesting thing. You're probably thinking, wouldn't it be great if Keith got the mission of silence right now? Uh, Chapter 3, verse 24. Then the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, go shut yourself inside your house. Uh, By the way, the NIV decides to add inside. That's not necessarily possibly what happened, but the NIV likes doing that every now and then. Go shut yourself inside your house. And you, son of man, they will tie with ropes. You'll be bound so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to rebuke them, though they are a rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Whoever listen, let him listen. Whoever will refuse, Let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. This is an example, chapter 3, of one of Ezekiel's ways of speaking. By not speaking and by acting, he's confined to his house, as I said, probably not inside, possibly at the doorway where everyone can see. And the picture is, here is, Mad old Ezekiel tied up with rope at the front door. And everyone knows about him and everyone talks about what is the old mad coot up to now? There he is, unable to speak, tied up at the front door. That sounds odd, but Ezekiel is a very well-known identity and it is odd. The rumour mill would go, everyone be wondering, what is happening? What is he doing? Then one day he speaks, and that's the way he is told to do it. In Chapter 4, there's one where he actually portrays in miniature the coming siege against Jerusalem where he has to lie down and act it out, which we don't really have time to read. 
But in chapter 4, he repeatedly assures his readers that the city and its inhabitants can in no way get out of what's coming. Now, imagine that. You are the leader of the nation of Ukraine and someone was amongst you saying, by the way, we can't escape what Russia is doing. I don't think that message would go down very well. And that is the message that Ezekiel is meant to give to Israel as they face the giant of the Babylonians. The inhabitants, the inhabitants of the city are actually doomed. It's not a very happy message. Ezekiel will do other acts. He will even cut off his hair and dispose of it. He'll leave even the, his wife dying will be a symbol of the message to the people. And so in symbolic acts, as well as his words and his silence, all this will be how God uses him to speak to the people of Israel. So what is the man like? In one sense, you could feel that Ezekiel isn't a very successful preacher. I don't know about you, but uh, probably do you follow any preachers online, see if who they're speaking to, uh, see their church services? you ever watch church online or on TV? Where they Imagine being there. There they are, the Crystal Cathedral. And uh, it's not COVID, so forget that. Let's say it's after COVID or before COVID. You're at the Crystal Cathedral. Not that you should watch that program. But anyway, what, what do you get? You get the sense that there are a lot of people there. You get the sense that it's a big production. Well, imagine you don't ever walk, watch where there's no one there. No one turns on and watch people who aren't successful. In one sense, Ezekiel will look unsuccessful. He has got that message which means no one wants to hear. They are a people who won't hear. But he is set apart, as we will find out, as a watchman, a watchman for the people, which means he is to see what is coming because God tells him what's coming and to speak and warn them what God says. He's responsible for that and that alone. And he speaks about the coming destruction until chapter 24 when it happens. And then it happens. And unfortunately, the people go to the destruction that he's been speaking about and that God has told them. In the end, Ezekiel's words are recorded not for them. That's why it comes across in the book, because they weren't going to listen. In the end, it's recorded for those in the future. It's recorded for people, God's people, after this event, recorded for us. From chapter 24 to 32, we, we record how God will deal with the nations around it. They're not going to escape this, for God is Lord of all things. And then from chapter 33 on you, we turn about how God will restore his people and Ezekiel's message actually does turn from this destruction and disaster, it turns to hope 
are hopeful how God will act and be in the future. He reminds them of why this happened in Ezekiel 34, verse 11. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. Ezekiel 34 talks about how they have had a succession of bad shepherds. Now they have people, we know they don't listen, we know what they're like, but their leaders have not led them in God's ways and the nation is far away from where God wanted them to be and how they promised to be. Ezekiel 34, with the hope message, tells them how we're going to get out of this message, this mess. We're going to get out of it because God himself will come. God himself will shepherd. God himself will gather his people, notice, from the nations and bring them to himself. These promises were left unfulfilled at the end of the Old Testament, until a man walked in Galilee, as we like to say, when God came in the person of Jesus, the one who would come and call himself the good shepherd. The bad shepherds had led them to disaster. They did return eventually, as you know very well, from exile. But the promises of God never came to their fulfilment as they might as expected until Jesus comes and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I lay and I know the father and I lay down my life. For the sheep. See, Ezekiel will remind us of how God has had to do the work to save us, that we couldn't save ourselves, that we are actually people who don't listen. We are people who have wandered and sinned and are far away. But God came in the person of Jesus because. The other thing we're reminded of is he's known us from all before all creation. He's known us and loved us. And though we are not part of historical Israel, we are part of his people. That Jesus came that he might die in our place, as 1 Peter 3.18 would say, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous or the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. Jesus came that he might gather his people from the four corners of the world and we are here sitting in Woodford today because of it. Ezekiel links us 
to the promises of God because it speaks of how God will act in the person and so of our Saviour, Lord Jesus. We are here directly because though we could not hear, God opened our hearts by his spirit and brought us into his kingdom because our Saviour came and died. In these troubled times, we're to remember and to know that whatever is going on, and there are boys that are locked in, our God knows us. Our God has loved us with an everlasting love. Jesus, our shepherd. Let's pray. Gracious Father, God, we pray and thank you that you are the one who, despite what we are like, despite what our world is like, you are leading us. Thank you that you are leading your people to yourselves. We despair at the way the world is going. We despair at the way the world is. Perhaps we despair at our own situations, which are part of just the mess, which is, feels painful and tragic. But, Lord, we know that you are an eternal God. We know that you've acted from eternity to call us to yourself, to bring us to yourself, to make sure that we are yours. It's not about us, it's about you. We are thankful that in Jesus he came. As you reminded Ezekiel, I will, he would come and lead us and gather us from all the nations. We, as your people who have come, give you thanks and praise, and we worship you this day, and we ask that our world might know you. We pray, Lord, that you would work in our community, in our families, in our hearts, in our lives. But, Lord, you would lead us into a deeper love into a deeper knowledge of you as we walk and serve you and glorify you each day, we pray. Amen.